Microsoft buying TikTok, the big three's quarterly reports, and Spotify CEO defends low payouts. That's showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode 10 of That Showbiz Baby Podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin McKay, with my co-host, Joseph Wazaleski. Hello. Pulling out the big Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. Joseph Taylor Wazaleski. That's what my mom would say. Joseph Taylor Wazaleski, social security number (laughs) 586. No, 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 no. Colin, I'm here to uh, publicly apologize today um, because according to my mom, I interrupted you in the last podcast, so I just want we to make her proud. To... each other? No way. <laughs> we so did? I just wanted to apologize because according to her, I sounded like a dick. <laughs> Two white dudes doing a podcast? Who could have guessed we sound like assholes? <laughs> Who could have guessed? Um yeah, I mean, I sorry, Mama Talking Joe. About I appreciate business. you sticking up for me, uh, but it, yeah. it's cool. Um, yeah, he, Mom. By the way, Colin's your son now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna call you that from now on. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, uh, interesting week going around. Uh, I've been doing a lot more with our socials. So if you want some more updates, you can follow us on Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram at That Showbiz Baby Podcast, and email us at That Showbiz Baby Podcast at gmail.com for all your comments, questions, concerns, and topic suggestions. Our first topic was actually suggested on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah, by Live Avocado. So thank you so much for sending that over again, guys. If you want us to look at something or talk about something, please send it over. Uh, social media, email, whatever. Um, and she just sent this right over, and immediately I uh, tweeted back at her, and I was like, "Oh man, this guy's going hot. <laughs> the hot takes coming. Yeah, in hot this takes. Story. Hot takes from uh, Daniel Eck from uh, Spotify, who is the CEO, uh, worth about I think four billion net worth. Uh, only four. Only four billion dollars. Uh, oh, this guy's got a lot to grow. Yeah, I mean. he's got a he's got a ways. Um, but <laughs> according to Consequence of Sound. Um, they uh they kind of stripped down uh, an interview that he had with Music Ally, um, and he basically stated that there is a narrative fallacy here, combined with the fact that obviously some artists that uh, used to do well in the past may not do well in this future landscape, where you can't record music once every three to four years and think that's going to be enough. Uh, he's talking about in terms of how he's low Spotify out, pays. Yeah, streaming payout rates. Yeah. Okay. Um, the artists today are making it uh, that are making it realize it's about creating a continuous engagement with their fans. He continued, "It's about putting the work in, about the storytelling around the album, and about keeping a continuous dialogue with your fans." Eck was uh, put on blast by many artists on Twitter after saying this, um, like the like of uh, David Crosby, who called him an obnoxious, greedy little shit. <laughs> so, I didn't think he was going to be very cordial. But yeah, I didn't think no, it was he be was that. pretty pissed about it. Um, but uh, in a May article, um, just to kind of go through like Spotify's breakdown, um, Spotify is a little different than a lot of other streaming um, sites where instead of like a per stream system, it's almost like a royalty pool 
system. So it has royalty pools often described as 70% of its revenues, although it's closer to 65% that it pays out based on the share of streams on its service. Um, so it, it like allows uh, some artists, you know, heavier payout than others. Um, and it's very, uh, the amount of money you get from Spotify really dictates it, it's, it's in relation to whatever your label deal is or your distribution deal and publishing deal and all that stuff. So it all it all works together. Um, it gets funneled through those people before the artists get it, if that makes sense. So artists aren't even getting like the full stream rate for the most part. They're getting a fraction of that, which is insane to me. So um, according to Ditto uh, Music Streaming Calculator, and this changes all the time, but this is kind of the, the industry standard, I guess, like number that people say Spotify is. Um, the streaming rate for 2020 is uh, $0.00437. Is this Spotify specifically or just like... Spotify a- specifically. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the thing. Even though it fluctuates depending upon your deal, your relationship with Spotify, a bunch of different things. All right. You know? um, so... Uh, Spotify isn't really new to this criticism. I mean, they've been having a bunch of uh, artists, you know, over the years. Uh, recently, a lot of artists have surrendered their music to Spotify. Um, we had Taylor Swift, you know, who held out for a long time. Uh, Radiohead held out for a long time, too, of, of putting their um, their their whole uh, repertoire and everything on the streaming platform. But, you know, it seems like everybody's on it nowadays. Yeah. I, I can't really think of an artist who isn't. Um, do you know anybody? Um, I think there's, uh, it's not, no, it's, I almost said Tom Petty, but it's not Tom Petty's. It's, uh, is it Neil Young? Did he take his off? Cause doesn't he have his own, his own streaming thing on his website oh, with man. like his full discography? Yeah. I gotta remember. It's something strange. I mean, Neil Young's done a lot of strange things such as the, uh, Pano player. If you've ever looked that up, which all <laughs> plays flag files and it's a, triangle. Oh yeah, you, I have, I it's have the most uncomfortable that. MP3 player ever. Like <laughs> yeah. if you, it's literally a triangle, but, uh, yeah, I mean a lot of artists, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying that I think the time of, kind of like the book like taylor was really the one i think that really pushed it but then like especially when title really started going around that idea of like artist owned like better paying out well that and then also the idea of just like well spotify is so bad we're just gonna boycott it but now it's such a big giant platform and it was the biggest you know that like now it's even more so and so like it's so I don't want to say unrealistic, but unrealistic if you wanted to be a successful musician to just be like, I will not put any of my music on Spotify. Mm-hmm. It is like, I couldn't imagine if, you know, tomorrow I was like, I'm going to be a musician and I went, but I'm not going to put anything on Spotify. I mean, the amount of people that I know that just would not listen because they only have Spotify accounts and their market share is just crazy, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, okay. Eck coming in with the hot takes, first off. The only thing I agree with with that he says is it's about putting in the work and... No, I'm sorry. The one before it. It's the artists today that are making it realize it's about creating a continuous engagement with their fans. I think that's the truest thing that he says in here because that's 100%. Especially with the internet and the ability to constantly interact with your audience it, the the people that are coming up with ways to you know stay relevant in people's lives from either the way they use social media or the actual you know posts that they're doing are the people that are really succeeding 
Yeah, um, for sure. I, I, I mean, a lot of uh, industry people I've talked to, especially like managers and stuff, they're always talking about how you need to just keep those numbers up. And like it's social media basically right. now where there's like, such a big difference between a view versus like something that someone actually does, like a comment or a like. Yeah, exactly. Because that shows so, so much more of dedicated fans. Mm-hmm, exactly. And with Spotify, it's honestly, if we really want to dive into Spotify's UI and stuff, it is a hundred percent a social media like system and oh, algorithm. They all kind of like that. Now. Yeah, and so like create like getting on those playlists making sure your releases are consistent. I don't think that's a new thing. And I don't really think that's what people have a problem with in terms of his, his comment. I think it's more of just like, it seems like he's just like, yeah, I'm a rich guy. Uh, make more money for me. Right. You know? And it I think a lot like- of artists are, are coming out like being like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, do you know? Do you realize how hard it is to make a good record, right? And how much time it goes into the songwriting and the recording and all that stuff? And he, when he's just like, "Yeah, just come out with that album every year. Who cares?" Like, well, your fans are going to care. I think like it's just kind of like we were talking about the other day. It's very much like when your mom says, "Just make a viral video." Like it's kind of like that. I think where he's just like. In this statement, especially when he's like, it's just putting in the work. If you put in work to it, it'll just happen. Yeah, but and it's like, like, well, there's many steps to right. get the work done. It's like there's many steps, and then there's also just so many obstacles for different people. And then, you know, I mean, not to say, I mean, with we're not going to lie to ourselves here on this podcast and in the world. I'm sure there's people that are maybe somehow barely doing anything, and they have hit records somehow. You know, I don't think that's not a possibility. But, like, I also think it's a possibility that someone's working day and night on their music and their craft and their marketing and all this kind of stuff, and it's going nowhere. Yeah. You know? So, I think that's especially part of the reason why people were inflamed by this statement, because it literally just makes it sound like, oh, yeah, if you're not doing well, you're just not working hard enough. Yeah. That's the reason. And, you know... Which isn't true right. a lot of the time. And I mean, so, he also gets into trouble here, because, like, he starts... He starts saying, like, I the general second part of the statement where he's talking about doing engagement and, like, the working hard thing is problematic. But, like, telling about storytelling and keeping a continuous dialogue with your fans, I believe in that. But when he starts, like, really going into, like, you can't have an album every three to four years and be successful, then I think that's where people also take a lot of... Yeah, because it's like, what What do you mean? Okay, so let's talk about success. Like, what do you dictate success means? To some artists starting out, success might mean, hey, I can quit my job and do this for a living now. Right, and some people might be like, I don't know, like an Adele situation where you just are able to put out a monster album and then leave for several years and then, and then come, come back. back. Or Bruno Mars, who Bruno Mars only has like three albums. You yeah, know? and he's killing it. Right, and he <laughs> still gets a lot of play. So or, like, or I think The weekend is like that too, right? I mean, he, he, he recently is getting... New, you know? Yeah, he's getting more recent, but I mean, there was a time where, um, you know, he, he came out with the trilogy, right? And then the, the mm. next like real debut record i guess i just think it's almost like it's counterintuitive like it almost seems like he's trying to say oh you can't be successful if like his literal statement is about you can't be successful if you don't put out music at least you know once three to four years but it almost seems like what he's trying to say is you can't achieve success unless you do this model that directly benefits me 
You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. That's that's more of what it is. It's like not as much about like, oh, is it possible, you know, to have a hit record every three to four years and still be a relevant artist who pays their bills by doing artists, you know, events and shows and concerts and stuff like that and, you know, records records. I don't think that's the issue with the statement. It's literally like, yeah, so the model that helps me and my company, that's what you should do. And it almost seems a little bit like you got some stuff in other camps is the reason why you're saying this. This isn't just like a, Hey, friendly reminder, you know, nudge, nudge. I'm trying to help you out. You know, (laughs) it's definitely for personal gain is what that statement seems like. And, you know, I don't want to get, you know, the extra over here mad or anything, but like, I get what you mean, man, but like the way you phrased it was not a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) Like like, not at all. I mean, if he wants to relate to artists, you have to, you have to come to artists at their level, you know, you have to understand where, where they're coming from, how they're working through their process and the creative process. It's not to, to a lot of artists, this isn't just a business. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of culture, you know, and to kind of just, it's so business by it, you know, it's really not great. It's so funny. Cause it reminds me very much of like the boom and like of recording and stuff like that from like the forties and fifties where it's almost like we're going back to that model and hear me out here. So like in the sixties and seventies, we got to this point where people make concept albums and they make albums that are like really emotional and take years to put together. And like, it's all combined in this sweet package and stuff like that. And it's all about, you know, specific stuff like, you know, uh, their lives and stuff like that. And that kind of, went through time and then that kind of fell out of favor and it kind of went back to what the forties and fifties were like, where these people were just almost like what, you know, at the batting cage, having the balls thrown at them. And it's like, Hey, Hey Sinatra, do you want to record this song, this song, this song, this song, this song, and just release all of them and see what sticks to the wall. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what Eck is kind of trying to say here. And I, I don't agree with it, but it's almost like he's insinuating that that type of record releasing and schedule is the way that you have to be successful in the digital age. Yeah. And I don't think so. You know, there's obviously we have outliers that prove that you can release a record every three to four years and have people, you know, being like, Oh man, I've been and, waiting for this. Yeah. Engage yeah. with it. You right. Know? And be quote unquote successful, whatever that means. Do you think that the majority though, cause I think the majority, especially pop acts re- realized this very early on. And they, they do it anyways. And like uh, even indie acts now are coming out with like like the uh, Emmett Kai, the guy I like so much, you know, mm-hmm. he literally had a record, but he released a single every single month of like until the record was completely out. And honestly, I think that was like one of the smartest decisions he could have made. You know, I do see that because he does say record music. He doesn't say like make an album every three or four. Yeah, years. exactly. So maybe it's like just a single which might, you know, be doable. Right. Um, and just like keeping it fresh is kind of the thing, it seems like. Yeah, I think, I like, again, I agree with most of the back part of that statement other than just him, you know, making making it sound so easy that you can just, you know, create a very storytelling album and keep continuous dialogue with your fans because that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, I, I personally think that that model is very successful, what you're talking about. Like Ariana Grande does it all the time where she just like, oh, here's a song, you know, single, here's single, a song, single. here's a yeah. song, you know, and that's just kind of the way it is. But I think 
in my opinion, that it's more of the reason that you maybe could get mad at the statement is because he's almost insinuating that there's no way to do it without being more profit, being a profitable way for his business. Yeah. Because it's like, you have to think about it like this. Like if every, you know, just like you think of Spotify as a content company, like we talked about previously when they bought all that podcast stuff, like how it's almost like a Netflix in that way. You continually creating content just adds more value to that company. Yeah. So that's why he's like, yeah, you should do this because it helps that company's model. And that's also the reason, like, you know, the streaming rate is so low. That's why they don't want to put it up. You know, like, I, let's, you know, obviously it's very hard and stuff like that to think of, like, if I had $4 billion, what my life would be like. But if I was there and I was already on top of, you know, the world in my eyes, what am I going to do next? And it's like, oh, next quarter, I'm going to get everybody you know crazy profits because we have way more people putting songs out and the stream rate's so low and that's way more people subscribing because they want to hear all these new songs Mm -hmm. so like that's the reason he's doing this you kind of have to think about it like that i mean i get it the music bit you know the music industry is very anti-big business and i get it and it makes sense because it does suck in some ways but in other ways like this is a reason why these companies can become monoliths is because this is the way they think all the time where it's like, how can we get the most bang for our buck from all these people, you know, who are subscribed to our service? How can we get them to stay? And how can we get our fan base that's creating the content to do it more frequently? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but honestly, I don't even think he needs to say anything because streaming is up. You know, like I think that, I feel like this was a push that he didn't even need to make. I think maybe it was it was an interview and it was taken like, you know, this was the big buzz out of that interview. Yeah. I mean, the interview is long. We will link the interview it. as well, like right. to where you can check it out. I so think it's I read part recorded. of it, but like, you know, it's a, it's a very long interview and this is definitely like the thing people gravitate towards. Yeah. So like, you know, he said he said some more poignant things in there, I think, but like I'm saying, it's just like, I think that this is taken, it's not out of context, but it's taken out of a very long interview of him talking and that he probably thought, oh, I'm going to do this interview because it'd just be good press for a company and yeah. stuff like that. And then I'll just tell people, you know, and I, I could see where he's coming along and saying like, oh yeah, I mean, realistically you can't just release nothing for years and expect to be ultra ultra famous and then he this is what came out of his mouth like yeah. you know what i mean and then people now are like us are dissecting every part of the sentence mm-hmm. and so i mean i would like to see if he has any clarification or whatever uh, also i love david crosby every time he says anything because it's <laughs> so funny it's very entertaining uh, i will say um just to put it in context uh according to the streaming calendar or the streaming calculator on uh, ditto which I, I'm, it's very accurate in terms of like where we are in 2020. If we were to do per stream royalty rate for um, Spotify, a uh, thousand streams, so a thousand plays of your song will get you a whopping four dollars and thirty seven cents. Yep. Um, so and- it, in, in terms of if we compare to when we bought things where you would actually, the artist would get a huge, a way bigger chunk. And you're now seeing why the music industry is freaking out because there's no touring. And there's, like, <laughs> and yeah, and without touring, because touring was literally 
to be honest, the only revenue source of artists. The, they're making money of the off of it, but nowhere close to where, you know, they produce a $1 sweatshirt and then they sell it for $40, yeah. you know? Uh, so like now you're seeing the other side of why these, all these people and artists are freaking out because yeah. other than, you know, not being able to do their passion project, no way. There's no way that you can be like, I'm a successful Spotify artist and just be like, that's how I pay my bills. Unless you're doing like, a ridiculous unless you're in the Millions. top 5% and I'm not talking about like any other income you know what I mean like if you were just like I'm only going to make my money off of the streaming of my music you would have to be in the top 5 to 3% of Spotify views oh 100% to to make a living off yeah. of that well um, I mean you can make a living off you know getting some there are mid-range acts you know if you calculate it um and and to be honest with streaming it, you will get more streams than you would back in like radio play or something, you know, because well, like true. it's sitting there forever and it accumulates over time. Yeah. And anyone can access it at any time. Exactly. And it's, it, it's at the mercy of the listener at that point. But, um, w- with that said, <laughs> you know, that's accruing over time. It's not like these people are getting this massive payout the first day. That is true. You know, like like they're getting like, let's say $87,000 from one song that got big, you know, like, like a 2 million stream song or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, I'm not, that's literally like how much that would be around in terms of like, that's a pretty good estimate. Yeah. Um, And so if that happened, you know, like it's not going to, unless it's like, like the week of it got 2 million. That's generally not what's going to happen. Unless, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a couple months. Right. It's going to be spread out. I mean, obviously, if you have hype around a song and then it releases, you'll get a, gonna, you, you like get a, a YouTube video, you'll have a spike and then yeah. it'll go down. And, and then usually if something it's, else happens, then it'll come back up and then it'll have this like kind of waves effect where it just, you know, goes up and mm-hmm. down and up. It's and the down. 90 day record thing of, of the 90 day life cycle is what they call it in the industry in terms of. Um, when you release a record and kind of how you m- maximize uh, your income and um, your revenue in terms of marketing that album and how many listens it's getting and uh, the merch you're selling and all that stuff. And then sometimes, you know, not all albums are the same. You know, some some are legendary albums that last freaking forever, you know, that go way, way past like 90 uh, days. But most records end up in that 90 day <laughs> Yep. Area. Yeah. So, so you're you're not making any money off of it. Daniel Eck, obviously, for his business and for all his employees, would love if you just put out as much content on there as possible, and so you can get more subscribers and stuff. And he would love that. And I'm sure right now, what's going through his head, if somebody, if he's thinking about this article, he goes, "All right, you know, I probably should have rephrased that. Uh, not a good move on my part. I'm just not going to say anything, and it'll go away." <laughs> and I, this, I what, honestly that's probably the smartest move. I, I don't think it like Spotify is still the top streaming service. This isn't going to hurt him. Right. I mean, you, you may know? have like there, there is like we were talking about in the beginning of the story. There's not this big movement of artists that are like, we're not putting up with this. You know, there was at the beginning, but not anymore. Right. It's not strong enough. Yeah. It's still, and like, to be honest, uh, there was this, uh, I remember this was like three or four years ago. There was, uh, this, um, marketing campaign that was like anti-streaming and they they tried to they made these like very produced 
have you seen this? They made these like very produced like interview type things of like these artists, like big to no. mid tier artists. Um, well, they had them and they would explain how like streaming is wrecking their income and like streaming's the big big bad guy and um it sounds so old now but it's like go buy a cd it literally was like three years ago right and like uh they were like look listen to the to the compression on the audio and they would compare like regular dude dude i swear to god As someone who works in audio i know that's not gonna work I, exactly <laughs> but like here's the thing they they literally had the waveform of the thing and w- if you look at a normal waveform you're usually you know of like a wave file there's not going to be like a a mash it doesn't look like it's mashed down right but then they put up the the supposed spotify version and it was like compressed it was like a box which is not the case anymore yeah it's, <laughs> yeah everybody's got because you people mix and master now for to, streaming services well yeah i mean and people plan for that and yeah so like yeah I, so spotify and so the quality kind of argument stuff. doesn't it doesn't it's not a thing anymore it's really not. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I'll leave it at that. It's just, you know, he's going to walk away from this. The co- Spotify isn't going to go under tomorrow to this. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think I think they're just going to be just fine. And he everybody sell your stock now. Right. Um, all right. Let's go to the opposite. Speaking of so we yeah. got a lot of social media in this one, actually, because what else am I going to talk about? Touring? No, <laughs> uh, which I talked about in the last podcast, too. You missed out. Anyway, uh, we were talking about Facebook. Um, Facebook has music videos coming to it, which Ooh. I thought was a little interesting. Don't they already have that? No, they don't have official music videos. Oh, so, okay. like, somebody can, like, do, you know, like, get on whatever, you know, like, your <laughs> computer page. and just, like, YouTube it and then get it off or, like, download it somewhere or something and then put it on. But, like, it's not an official capacity. So, okay. starting August 1st, which was three days ago, uh, Facebook will now have officially licensed music videos. According to the Facebook blog post, the company has deals with all three major music companies as well as Merlin, BMG, Cobalt, and a number of indie publishers and PROs. Cobalt making moves, man. Cobalt has been in, like, every other thing I know. that we cover for some reason so good for them if you work for cobalt you guys are doing some work <laughs> yeah. um anyway uh according to billboard it says videos will be able to be posted on artists own pages while fans will be able to comment share and react to them as they would with any other content on the platform or any other social media ever uh and then <laughs> the company also has teased that and this was also interesting to me was upcoming facebook only premieres which i was like okay and we'll i'll get to the why i'm okaying that for now uh, and then it said, uh, basically, some are seeing this as a challenge to YouTube in the music video space. Uh, but according to Billboard again, that comparison is overblown according to industry sources who see the music on each platform as fundamentally different to the services experiences. But the appeal of Facebook is having videos integrated with social media world paired with the engagement that comes along with that. Uh, and then to end the quote from billboard artist fan connection on Facebook is deeper and more authentic because of tools like stories, live and custom AR effects, Facebook's VP music business development and partnerships Tamara hero here of knack. Sorry. Said in the statement, official music videos are reborn in that setting and they become part of the way people express identity, mood and being a new dimension to the artist storytelling that happens on every apps 
on our apps every day. And if that is not the most marketing thing I've ever read on this <laughs> podcast, I don't think anything will ever beat that. Uh, do you remember the days when you could post a YouTube video on Facebook and you could play it because it was embedded? I think you can, but it's like you can worse now, isn't it? No, it's just the link now. But there was there was a time where they let YouTube videos play on Facebook, and that so, was the main video here's my, source. Here's my thing, which is why I think this story is interesting. Because I, you know, I first read this and I was like, "This is a nothing story." But then I was thinking about it. So first off, the Billboard, according to industry sources, which could be anyone, anybody, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> says that they are not comparable like a YouTube to a Facebook in terms of what they use. And so my question to you, Joe, is do you think that is an accurate statement? Absolutely not. Um, Facebook has, since they took off um, YouTube from Facebook, I mean, they've been working so hard to integrate their video platform to almost be identical to YouTube in terms of recommending videos and auto-playing and that kind of thing. Um, playlist, video playlists, all that stuff. And, and now it's even more like a, a Facebook view is a lot different than a YouTube view because YouTube you usually have to watch a little longer than Facebook. Facebook auto-plays and that's just it, you know? Um, but, uh, I think the only part where it differs is the benefit of the artist. Like, are they getting a royalty rate out of these videos? Like, I mean, what's... I think they are because of just the way the publishing companies and the big three are involved with this. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my thing with it is like, all right, I get it. Facebook's old, <laughs> like, the old people use Facebook in the world, but it's such a big thing still. Like you have to keep that in mind. And so my thing is, is like, all right, so you have YouTube and you go to YouTube to find the music video. Mm -hmm. Like, don't you think that maybe some people could be swayed by the ease of use? If they like have the person's page liked on Facebook, they already go to Facebook regularly. And then it's there. And then it's there. Because yeah, I, I mean, don't know people that subscribe to artists' YouTube channels. Yeah. But I know people that like Facebook pages. That's absolutely true. And so I think that it's interesting in that front. I also think it's interesting because you have this thing about upcoming Facebook-only premieres, which I was like, that could be strange. And the artists on there are strange. Like, I didn't know a lot of them, but I, I did think it was funny that Lele Pons is listed on there, but we'll, we'll keep moving. Uh, but Is Poppy on there? <laughs> I wish. Um, but, you know, like, I, ever since Instagram started Stories, and everyone went, no one's going to use Stories, and now Snapchat's gone, and everyone <laughs> uses Stories. I am always on the lookout for stuff like this, oh. because it's very... Facebook it, likes to take uh, take some things. Well, Facebook and Instagram because they're both run the, by the same, same company. People. Yeah. So, like, I just think that it's maybe a situation like that where it's like Snapchat was the same way. Like, as I'm saying, akin to YouTube, where YouTube you have to go there to find the music video, mm -hmm. and Snapchat it's like you have to go there to send and receive short videos and stuff like that. But then it's like, okay, if you're already on the side of facebook or in the case of snapchat instagram and we had a, the same system would you leave because you're already just you're already on there all the time you know day in and day out so why don't you just use our system instead of youtube yeah you see what i'm saying i mean i'm wondering if there's going to be quality wars too so now, that could totally be a thing um, yeah because i mean 
uh, YouTube just announced that they're uh, lowering the quality of uh, so here. Uploads. I'm I, that was my pro Facebook bit. My anti Facebook thing, other than just sometimes that it sucks in general, is like the stuff that they this VP tried to say. And I was like, really, you're going a little too far over here about this. Uh, but I get it. It's your job. You're supposed to be very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they were like, artist fan connection is deeper on Facebook because of tools like stories. Facebook stories, no. Live, I agree with you. And custom AR effects. I'm like, eh. What is that? That's like, it's augmented reality. So, oh, okay. you know, like, so it's the Oculus Rift. Basically, no, 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 no. Very different if you don't know about this. Virtual reality is entirely virtual. Augmented reality is when virtual things are in real world stuff. So think of like a Instagram filter where your face turns into a tiger uh, and stuff like okay. that. <laughs> like that's a like or like, you know, some weird dancing dude, because I don't know why that's on every social media is just dancing around in front of you on your desk. Yeah. While you're pointing the camera. It's great. That's AR. And I'm just like, OK, I don't know. That's a little weird. Uh, and so she was saying they're reborn in this setting because of the way people express identity and mood and bring a new dimension to artist storytelling that happens every day on our apps. And I'm like, okay, a little too far, but then I get what she means is what I'm saying is they do it every day. And so people are on it with like, Hey, I want to see what, you know, old artist sammy hagar is doing like what is he like playing on there is he doing stuff like that i could totally see people being like oh i already like sammy hagar here's his new song let's just listen let's look at the video yeah that's why i think this is a little like we need to like if this is like tip of the hat if you're listening i'd be like just look at this let's see if this yeah, goes let's see through. what happens let's see what happens with this because I'd- i feel like a lot of people are like uh facebook old people you know it's not gonna i mean work. it's still the biggest social right. media and in the so world. like i just feel like well everyone our age is like that so i just feel like the kind of you know comparison between the snapchat and instagram thing is very applicable here yeah so i'd be very interested to see because again no one is subscribing to vivo channels of artists i've never done that yeah once. It's, i it's, don't know anyone who has i will say youtube in terms of musicians and, and supporting artists it's really sad honestly because like you would have you, you a lot of people just don't subscribe to those artists they just I think don't youtube does very well at people that were born on the platform so if you yeah, are a musician that goes, I am a YouTuber who does music, it's very different than I am I'm, a musician who's putting my thing on YouTube. Exactly. And so like it's kind of like that Will Smith thing where like Will Smith just shows up on YouTube and you're like, it's it's just normal. Like mm-hmm. and you're just like, But you're Will Smith. Why why don't you have like crazy stuff? And then like he's I, I feel like you know, that's kind of the thing is people think that you can automatically transition from like traditional celebrity stuff to youtube and it's very difficult yeah so i you know i I definitely watch out for this that's my whole point of the story is i feel like this may be a thing coming in the future i will say um in terms of uh because i've uploaded uh, music videos and stuff to facebook and youtube um and i will say i think facebook is a bit superior in some ways than youtube is um i also think the quality can be better on on facebook um but at the same time i don't think vast majority of audiences care about quality 
when it comes to video, to be honest, because everyone's watching on their phone still. Well, right. And we're already at like the point where we're, you know, just in the same way of like audio quality, where we're already at the point where like, you know what bad audio is and you know what bad video is. And nobody's phone usually is like bad video and bad audio. Yeah. It's just like, okay, everything's okay now. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? When you look on your phone. My thing, though, is the search optimization on Facebook. I do not think that's going that to compare to that would be YouTube. very that that is very different because YouTube it's like you go to YouTube there's no barriers to say. if you know what you're looking for you'll, you'll find, find it. it yeah but on Facebook because of the architecture of like pages people events all that stuff you just it, get there's like so a, much it gets cluttered you know huge yeah. thing going around so yeah um that's interesting though i mean we'll have to see what happens i i just think it's interesting because it just parallels something that i completely guessed wrong on so now i'm like all right there may be a chance for this yeah but joe speaking of there may be a chance do you think the big three are gonna live through the pandemic (laughs) i'm gonna guess yes yeah you know uh i will say all of them took a beating um so they put out their quarterly report um and all of them had dips in revenue one second if you don't know, just to tell you, because we always talk about the big three, the big three are Warner Music, Sony Music, and Universal Music. Yes. They're the biggest three music companies in the world. And that's why if you usually talk to industry people and they say the big three, you they know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So just to tell you, so what are we starting with first? So we'll start with Warner. Um, I'm just going to kind of go through. A lot of this is numbers heavy, but I'm going to try to make it not so much because sure honestly that was a fun read everybody hates numbers <laughs> uh it was the most miserable read actually gone <laughs> if you want my honest opinion um but uh warner music announced in its august 4th earnings report that it took a 5.7 percent dip in revenue to 1.010 billion dollars from its first quarter and a 4.5 percent uh from quarter two 3.1 percent constant currency rate <laughs> And I'm going to explain what that means. That means that it's like the common exchange rates used to eliminate like fluctuations. So it's basically what like um, people buying stock look at uh, to get a more accurate reading to see like what they buy. It's just basically you remove the exchange rate like stuff in the middle of the math. Kind of. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Um, I'm not an expert on that. I feel like you'd need a CPA to really explain like what it means. Um, but the company blamed COVID for its drop, but CFO Eric Levin stated that the numbers were slightly better than our expectations. COVID hit uh, every part of the company's revenue streams, but some parts of the businesses uh, were more affected than others. Uh, ad-supported streaming revenue like YouTube ads and Spotify free uh, was affected, while uh, additional revenue streams such as merchandise and touring were dramatically affected. And that and merchandise through all three of them was destroyed, basically, just because the touring industry is gone. Um, record, uh, recording music uh, five took a dip 5.7% from uh, $913 million to $861 million, um, 4.2% constant currency, if you are interested in that. Um, they actually had an increase in digital revenue, uh, 7.9%, um, from five, uh, $584 million to $630 uh, million, dollars, um, which is pretty, I mean, that's significant uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, a 9.1% increase in streaming revenue, accounting for 93.5% of the quarter's digital revenue and 68.4% of total recorded music sales. Digital revenue declined, though, 1.2% over previous uh, over the previous third quarter. So uh, that's a lot. 
<laughs> don't feel like you have to know there will be all a test at the end of the podcast uh, yeah. about what numbers are which. <laughs> yeah. So I those are kind of the big numbers in terms of just like which part of the company is working, which part isn't. Um, according to CEO Stephen Cooper, uh, streaming revenue was large, largely unaffected by COVID. Uh, Levin also stated that the streaming revenue growth was consist- consistently double digit and quite stable and that he was extremely uh, kind of pleased <laughs> that subscription revenue continued its strong trends in the last quarter. Uh, Publishing-wise, revenue grew 2.8% to uh, $149 million and climbed 5.6% to $488 million in the previous three quarters. Digital revenue of $90 million was 60.4% of total publishing revenue, up from 44.8% a year ago. And performance mechanical and sync royalties uh, categories collectively tumbled uh, 26.3%. Uh, to $59 million, which that's pretty bad. (laughs) Like that's a pretty significant tumble. So um, I would say that's probably the most worrisome out of all the numbers in terms of uh, Warner's um, stuff. But their shares rose as, what's interesting, their shares rose as high as 1.9% to uh, $30.51 per share uh, this morning, Tuesday morning, and fell to uh, 29.9%. Uh, fifty-five, $29.55, uh, 1.8% at midday. Okay. So there is a lot of fluctuation happening okay, in terms so, of, so yeah. a whole dollar drop there. Um, so next up, <laughs> Sony Music. Um, and Sony is based in Japan, if you didn't know that. So all of this is converted from, from yen. yen. Okay. Um, so it's, I mean, they're probably not extremely accurate numbers, um, but they are what uh, is reported in Billboard. So, um, the company quarter ended June 30th. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone's did. Uh, revenue declined uh, 13.1% to uh, to one dollar and six or one point sixty four six billion. They made one dollar, not one dollar. Sorry, one point six four six billion dollars. Yes, from uh, 2019's first quarter revenue of one point eighty four billion. Um, streaming remains strong, up 6%. I'm just going to do percentages. You guys don't care about the numbers. Uh, visual media platform down 8.7% uh, versus um, the, in comparison to the 2019 quarter. Publishing-wise, they fell um, 20.9% as well. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, the publishing's publishing is getting, getting murdered. Yeah, publishing's getting murdered right now. Um and Universal's was actually, they basically said, Billboard said from Universal's is that they did okay, um, but they were had mediocre numbers. <laughs> but they were they're like, yeah, but it's all right during a pandemic, I guess. Okay. You know, they but just they're not great. They could get. Yeah, they're like, it's not great, but it's better than, you know, nothing. Um, so according to Billboard, the company is having a pretty good 2020, all things considered. Uh, segments either did great or poorly with no in-between, which I guess, you know, ended up evening out. It seems like what's happening with a lot of companies, either like, it seems like a lot from what you're, well, you can read it out, but it seems like the digital part is doing okay and the publishing is getting murdered and the tour yeah. side is getting murdered. Yeah, basically. Um, UMG's revenue grew 6.2% um, to $4.1 billion at current conversion rates. Um, in the first half of the year, recording music streaming dropped 4.5% from quarter one to quarter two. Digital downloads created 
26.3% increase, and the merch revenue fell 27.3% from quarter one uh, and 80.2% from quarter two, 2019. So, um, Publishing-wise, uh, it actually carried the company with uh, a 52.7% okay. increase. So they're wow. actually killing okay. it yeah, publishing-wise. Yeah, they're doing wise. kind of the opposite. So let's let's look at some trends here that we got. So we got, we, we'll we talk the, about this outlier here. We have a 52%. With Universal. With Universal. And, then and that's have, for publishing. So that's sync royalties, mechanical royalties. Right. And the then we have Sony's falling 21%, uh, rounded up from 29 and then we on the publishing side for Warner, you're seeing a 26 percent drop. Yeah. So something's going on with Universal Music. Uh, they're just I, they're, publishing people. Are their just publishing doing well. is notoriously good. Yeah. Um, um, I I have friends who work at Universal, um, and they have that shit locked down. Well, clearly, like, yeah. I was gonna say clearly so they are. They do a really good job. I mean, honestly, Sony's does a great job so, as well. I mean, we have to we have to think like in terms of publishing, we're gonna have less people, less venues, less companies, less shows, all this stuff that are gonna need, you know, publishing agreements, all that kind of stuff. But it seems like what I'm looking at is that Universal is the one who's taking all of these opportunities and just stealing them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when they can. Yeah, you know. I guess so. I think it really is. A lot of it is dependent on their artists too, which a lot of them, you know, came out. And that is saying, true. I mean, that is like, their product. Yeah. They were saying like, Oh, well we expect somewhat of an increase because we have this artist, this artist, this artist coming out with a record, you know, to see if we could get a bump up. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't, I think it's more universal it's not like they predicted this. It's a, it's a luck factor. Right. And, and mean, it's a combination of just like some smart moves and very good luck. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people listening are like, well, they're going, they're going from billions of dollars to billions of dollars. Like who cares? You know, like why does that matter? What matters is how well the big three are doing determines how well the small people are doing. That's true. And then also between the big three, uh, I mean, if you're looking at giant numbers and stuff like this, like the percentages do not lie. 52% is a giant increase in revenue. Yeah. I mean, like if you're, you know, like if you're doing stocks or something like that, you're hoping for, I don't know, six, you know, <laughs> so have 52% is insane. It's, it's, it's pretty big. And yeah. So like, and then the opposite is also true. I mean, the publishing of around 20 to 26% from Warner to Sony is very bad. Yeah. Uh, and so, what's interesting to me is that um like uh universal actually it said they had like a um almost like a digital dip it looks like uh or at least not as much of a growth as the others in digital yeah Yeah. um let me double check that just to make sure yeah so what i'm seeing in the digital stuff is like it seems like most of the time that these companies are okay yeah having a rise in digital so streaming streaming dropped 4.5 percent okay um but um the thing is, streaming, you know, as we discussed earlier, doesn't make that much money, to be honest. Like, a lot of labels get a lot of money from it because they take their cuts, uh, and then the artists don't get anything, usually. But um, the fact that, um, you know, streaming is rising or whatever because everybody's at home, it doesn't necessarily mean good things for it these labels. It doesn't fit the gap. Yeah, it doesn't fit the gap created. because you still get such a bigger cut from merchandise and CD sales. And right. This you know, is why, like, I mean, Universal is the only one, but, like, the other two have gone down significantly 
from, you know, last year and last quarter. Yeah. Um, because, you know, at least in the last quarter, there was some, you know, touring and stuff like that going on. So, you know, it's just, it's very indicative of, you know, they're really trying to keep it together. Uh, and things are, I think a lot of the things that are going up other than the publishing side from like universal seem to be, uh, if you're reading this just for like what's up and what's down there, the ups are not going over the downs right now <laughs> yeah. for most of the companies, except for universal, which yeah. is, just, which by the way, I cannot stress enough how much the guy writing the article was like, yeah, this is mediocre though. Like this is, this is mediocre numbers in comparison to like everything right. else. So it's not good still, you know, right. it's like it's just okay. they're passing by. Like, it's uh, I will say it's like great from like a perspective of oh if let's look at our there. competitor you know the other two well yeah that too and it's also great from like oh yeah if we're working there like you're saying like we're not we're not gonna all lose our jobs today well it's also <laughs> yeah. hard to compare I I know that you know we automatically compare because we call them the big three and they're the biggest you know three you have to compare labels. them on the things that are comparable like, yeah exactly sony is a like sony the company is a giant multi-million dollar company that has so many other ventures that they might have so much more capital yeah than exactly the things and they uh, can be afford to bail out if need right be. universal music is also part of a giant conglomerate of universal which has so many things of you know movies tv shows networks and stuff like that so that also could be why their publishing is so great it's because they already have all those connections yeah probably the, the sync. company i mean the know. sync royalties from from that must be insane right. and and that's the other thing and then there's warner out here who's you know free balling free balling <laughs> and uh i mean warner is still was a huge giant of a company but like in terms of the other ones that just have access to like huge amounts of money like, you know, it's a little bit harder. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, they still made one point, uh, one billion dollars, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, but from these dips, right. you know, the subtractions. Yeah. It's all about <laughs> from one to the other. I mean, I can say abstract numbers all we want, but like at the same time, they're, they're taking dips and obviously the dips are not, the, the highs are not overcoming the dips in this say, in yeah. this case. I mean, so, so sorry, sorry if we bored you with those numbers. Well, yeah, but. I mean, it's just it's a health of the industry kind of thing. These three, like Joe's saying, is a very good indicator for what else other smaller independent labels are going through and just the music industry in general. I mean, that's like why most of the time when like any there's like congressional action and stuff like that, these are the three companies that people are looking at to see like how the industry is doing. Yeah. You know. Um, and this is like what makes up the idea of like the recording industry of these three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, Google Play making some changes, uh, huh? Yes. Uh, so me and maybe one other person that's listening to this podcast who use Google Play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I know what I know what my thing is, but it's still a big thing. So as of today, August fourth, Google Play will end service in December, and users are being urged to transfer quote, their music libraries, personal taste preferences, and playlists to the latter streaming service over to Google-owned YouTube Music, mm. uh, which I did today after reading this article because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to lose those playlists. Um, so they basically, this is the this will be the final end to the announcement that they made in 2017 that the two services would join together. 
uh, as previously announced, uh, paying Google Play subscribers will be automatically granted the equivalent tier on YouTube Music at the same price, which was nice. It seems like they're doing more of a rebrand as opposed to like, hey, this is something new, you know, like, and you need to pay more money. Uh, and to quote from Billboard, of course, Google Play users can end their subscriptions instead, but the company hopes to retain their interest with a suite of improvement, uh, well, improvements to the YouTube Music app. Updates announced today include the ability to create collaborative playlists, a redesigned user interface, an explore tab, integration with Android TV, Google Maps, and the smart speaker Google Assistant. Uh, For now, YouTube Music still lags behind its competitors. In February, Google announced that YouTube Premium, the $11.99 per month subscription service that includes YouTube Music, had reached 20 million subscribers. By comparison, Spotify recently upped its paid subscriber count to 138 million. What what million? Yeah, a million as of (laughs) July 2019. Apple Music has over 60 million total subscribers. Again, here's more evidence how much Spotify is killing it. Um, so yeah, I just, I've, I've moved over now. It's a, it's a little strange. I think that it still has some movement to go to gain any market share. It really has to do with like the way it's laid out. It's such a non-traditional service. Yeah. Uh, like this is kind of weird. So here, here's the benefits of Google play, Google play. If you would like to give me any advertising money, please send it to our address. Uh, (laughs) but Basically, Google Play has one thing, has a thing that a lot of the other competitors don't have, which is that the ability to have the YouTube premium bundle is a big deal because YouTube mark, market share and stuff like that of people watching has just gone up and up and up and up every year since its existence, pretty much. Uh, and the one benefit of having uh, YouTube music is that you have YouTube premium which is why you could see it kind of almost like Amazon in a way in terms of, Oh, you're paying $99 to have $2, you know, two days shipping. And then you get Amazon music, but this is like a much more lower bundle where it's like, okay, we're also throw in YouTube music. If you get the ad free of YouTube, which is how I feel most people would look at it. If you got, you know, YouTube premium. Yeah, because I don't see a lot of people that are like, I want to be on YouTube music and also I get free ads. No, it's it's clearly the opposite way, especially from the market share and stuff like that. Um, So I think that if you want to know the truth, the weird part about Google Play and the part that it has to because it's Google has not done well in what thing. And if you think about it, you'll know exactly what it is. Does anyone remember Google Plus? (laughs) <laughs> remember how that did not go well well as we were talking about earlier i thought you were gonna say google glasses google glasses also <laughs> did not do well we'll put we'll put that in the background maybe youtube music would be a big deal if you could have it on your google glasses and everyone was wearing them at the same time uh but yeah like that's the problem with google in a lot of ways is that you're seeing kind of like the social media aspect of a lot of these music streaming stuff come up in the community especially since spotify is the king of that like we were talking about earlier with connected playlists and like the you know you know who else is listening to this and stuff like that and google play has not got that together yet like it's so strange when you do it because it mixes songs and then you also get youtube videos Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool because it's like 
oh, you can't find this song on Google Play, which was an issue. Well, now you can just go to YouTube and listen to it if you really want to listen to it, you know? So it's making up for a lot of the shortfalls of, you know, the access of it. But at the same time, you just get like a lot of shit on Google Play. Yeah. It's like when you look up one thing, kind of like the Facebook problem we we're talking about earlier, it's like eight things in a row. It's like, here's the song, here's the live version of the song recorded in 74. Here's another version of the song. Here's five YouTube videos of it. And you're like, what is going on? But I also think that Google Play, like we were talking about with YouTube musicians specifically, does really well with that because you can listen to all those YouTube musicians now, like in playlists. That's kind of sick. Which is sick. Yeah. And it even lets you list, look at the video. Yeah, that's great. So like... That was interesting. Like, because you had like a... It was almost like the video was next to the playlist. It is, right? it is literally the baby of Google Play and YouTube together, YouTube music. So like, what's interesting is like, for instance, I like to listen to a guy, shout out to this guy, I guess, uh, his name is Tronic Box, and he likes to do <laughs> 80s versions of popular songs. So what he'll do is, and it's not like something lame where it's like, I'm covering this song in an 80s style. He takes the raw vocals of that performance or whatever, puts it in, gets all the MIDI keyboard set up, all that kind of stuff, and makes it super 80s style. That's awesome. And so he does all that, and he has all these videos, and it's like now... It's, it's almost like YouTube to me from the viewer. It's like, oh, now yeah, YouTube understands now that I'm trying to listen to this man's music instead of watch the video and have ads and all this kind of stuff come up. So that's like the main thing. But again, they suck on the social media side. Like we didn't have collaborative playlists until now. Like you couldn't like send a playlist to someone. There wasn't a public playlist that you could make on Google Play, which was a real downfall. Yeah. But it's the consolidation of the service which i think is interesting especially since it's almost like a part of youtube now and it's not this awkward thing where it's like we have google play and we also have youtube music and they're two separate things now they've just made it into a baby <laughs> yeah you know i i think it's a very smart move i think it's a smart move uh the ui i'm gonna have to fool around with more to kind of say what my opinions are on that it's, do you think this is like an underdog thing where the, they're gonna increase their market so share? google google has the innate thing kind of like um apple does where every android phone has the google play store on it and i guarantee you the first thing if you looked up a music streaming thing that's probably going to come up is youtube music <laughs> you know yeah um, so I think that's like one advantage it has. I just think Google really needs to handle the kind of social media aspect of playlists and especially just the UI because Spotify has just been destroying at that for so long that well, they have so, such an integration with like they, Instagram now and stuff. They have that, such a good integration integration with that. It's so intuitive to use. Like you don't have to know how the system works. Like, like my, my dad is like in his late sixties and I could probably give him Spotify and he could find the songs. But mm -hmm. I feel like if I gave it to him now, like if I gave him YouTube music, he'd be like, what am I clicking? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And that's kind of like the difference between like the intuitiveness of the two things. Do I think it's an underdog? Maybe. And this is the beginning of it if it's an underdog. Because YouTube has such a presence that I think with people who maybe have YouTube premium and stuff like that, that this could come together again they're 20 million subscribers to spotify's 138 million so they're very much the underdog even though they're google <laughs> yeah so 
Um, well, yeah, next up, TikTok, right? Uh, yes, the big boy. <laughs> Our favorite. Yeah, At least big, my favorite. Big boy TikTok. TikTok, uh, as you may have seen, Trump was trying to ban TikTok from <laughs> the United States and started making some real threats uh, the beginning of August uh, 2020, which is like three or four days ago. And he was basically saying, like, I'm going to ban TikTok. And he had like four different ways to do it or whatever. But apparently, according to Microsoft, and they confirmed this on August 2nd, they're in talks to purchase the U.S. portion of TikTok from ByteDance, which is TikTok's parent company. Uh, Microsoft and ByteDance are looking into uh, Microsoft buying the U.S. portion of TikTok, the, the Canadian portion, the Australian portion, and the New Zealand portion of TikTok. So, like, that that's very important uh, to say uh, because there's kind of these people where it's like, they're going to buy TikTok. And I was like, well, it's the American side of it. They're not taking, well, as we discussed in our previous thing, the Chinese side of TikTok is extremely profitable due to in-app purchases and stuff like that. They're not getting that part. They're yeah. getting the U.S. part, which is a very small part of their market. Um, so Trump, like again, was trying to ban TikTok in the U.S. And then after he heard the deal was happening, he originally opposed the ideal. Uh, but he's given the companies 45 days to strike a deal, which we'll see what happens. Uh Quote from CNBC, Microsoft said it would make sure that the data on TikTok users in the U.S. would be located in the country and the data stored everywhere else would be deleted after it had been moved, which I was like, all right, that solves our, you know, banning problem and stuff like that. But then I thought the funny part of it is they go, quote, a TikTok spokesperson told CNBC on Sunday that the data on TikTok users is in the U.S. is stored in the U.S. And I just think that's like so catty where it's like all these people are like, oh, thank God. And they're like, TikTok's like, no, we're not lying here, please. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so anyway, quote, acquiring part of TikTok could complicate Microsoft's relationship with social media company Facebook, which used ByteDance as a competitor. <laughs> Microsoft invested $240 million into Facebook in 2007. So they've been there a long time. And mm. since then, the two companies have worked closely together on various initiatives. In June, when Microsoft announced that it would close its Mixer video game streaming service, which was basically a competitor to the Twitch that did not work out, if you don't know, it, quote, encouraged users to switch to Facebook's co uh, competing products. So, yeah. Um, so Facebook dip in there fingers and everything again so here here's my thing about this uh if we want to sell it that's fine i just you know it's it's kind of just like all right whatever <laughs> like i feel like if literally you know they flipped a switch and then tomorrow it's like yeah microsoft paid you know 900 million dollars for this side of tiktok and then now the servers go to microsoft i feel like the rest of the tiktok community would be like all right we don't have to move platforms. Cool. Yeah. You know, and then all these people that have the security concerns, rightfully so or not rightfully so, it's your decision to figure out if TikTok's really doing this or not. Um, they would be appeased, I think. <laughs> so yeah. I think that would save TikTok from that. And TikTok has so much brand recognition in the United States that it's worth to, you know, save yeah. in terms of the value of the brand. Especially for bands and stuff. I mean, I've, I've seen so many bands blow up on TikTok. So that's the thing that I'm interested in about it is like, so you have TikTok and they had all these concerns and stuff and then Microsoft buys it and then we go on. But I'm also interested in the competitor that Instagram's been making, which is called Canva yeah. or Canvas. Or not Canvas. Uh, it's called like it? Slides uh, or something. Hold yeah, on. it's something like that. Anyway, 
Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, has a compete has like a, a competitive uh, thing for TikTok, where basically they're going to make TikTok on Instagram, but it's a separate app, and it's the same thing. It's short videos, I think a minute or less, and then you basically just do it through Instagram. And I've kind and that one I'm even more interested in than my Facebook argument earlier about the ease of use because so many people use Instagram that I feel like it would even be more like a case of the Snapchat situation. Yeah. It's called Reels. Instagram Reels. Reels. That's what it is. And the, uh, I believe the beta is launching this week. Yeah. So that's what I'm interested in is if Microsoft pays this much money and then Reels comes in and goes, all right, you guys already love Instagram and watch it every day. Just do it on Instagram. And then on top of that, they get, you know, there's still the all these people that are probably think, doesn't TikTok still go to China? And then they'll be like, yeah, let's just use Reels because it's connected to my Instagram page. Yeah. So like, I it, it's going to be interesting to see what that competitive. I mean, it it's literally seems like it's gearing up to be like a like a um, Snapchat situation again. Although. I think the difference is Snapchat screwed up their UI and that's why everyone flooded to Instagram. And, you know, if TikTok remains the same UI because people love it still, I feel like a lot of people would just stay on TikTok. I don't, I don't know if people I flood think over to if Instagram. Instagram had a as good system as TikTok, then they would flood over because the amount to have it connect to, to your Instagram profile and to have like think of it if you were like an influencer and to not have to tell people like hey you can follow me on Instagram it's like no literally you just click it and it, it's also Instagram yeah. would be so powerful that people would be tempted would it only be the people you're following or a for you page like like TikTok I think I think what it would be is kind of, I I would imagine maybe I'll try the beta of it but like I would imagine that it would be like how the explore page is on Instagram yeah but it's just a like kind of TikToks of Instagram explore page. And then it figures out like the explore page, what you like or whatever. And then I bet if you click it, it'll go to like their, you know, reels page. And I guarantee you it'll go to, there's some way to get to your Instagram page that's connected to your reels page. Yeah. So I just think that like, it'd be very interesting to see if like, again, another thing that was brought up, uh, which is very true that Philip DeFranco brought up when I was watching him is that Microsoft would be one of the, you know, last really big dog tech companies to get into social media other than LinkedIn, which we, again, we're not going to count because that's like such a different market. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see Microsoft run a social media company. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but they also have money in Facebook though, right? I mean, they they have a, they invested in Facebook in 2007, but they they don't own it. They don't like have this kind of like, you know what I mean? They They don't have the the stakes. The company I own stock in Facebook, I bet you, or has some situation like that, but it's not like Facebook is run by Microsoft or like, you know, something like that. So it would be interesting. I, the thing about the end about it talking about Facebook and like, Oh, it's comp, you know, relationship to Facebook. I would just be like, yeah, that's weird. But I almost want to ask whoever wrote the CNBC article. I was like, you should be talking about the Instagram side of Facebook as opposed to the Facebook side. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's the competitor. Like, I don't think, you know, it's like company Facebook. And I'm just like, yeah, the Instagram side of Facebook. I just want to make that clarity there because the article almost asserts that like, oh, if it gets it on there, then Facebook 
the you know social media company not Facebook, the giant company that also owns Instagram is going to have an issue. And I'm like, no, they're not. It's kind of like what the other music video thing about Facebook was saying, where it's like, they're in two different leagues, mm-hmm. two different leagues. Um, but I'd be interested to see if Instagram can cap this. And if Microsoft is willing, again, they're in talks. They haven't bought it yet. So this might be going through their minds. Maybe they're even waiting. They have 45 days. So if you know they waited for when the beta came, and if the beta exploded, I bet you they'd be like, okay, maybe we're going to... I think it's, uh, it's not really... A, I guess it's not really a beta. I think only a select few users can use it this week. Oh, okay. And then, But we can watch it. I think that's like what it is. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So, so the beta for the users, I guess. Uh, all right. Or so the we selected view people. It. All right. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of one of, one of those things where it's like... I think it's a little funny because it's just funny for like Microsoft to be like, we're going to do the right thing. And then like TikTok being like, we've done the right thing the whole time. And then all these people are like, shut up, TikTok. We don't want to hear from you. We've already made our decision. You know, like <laughs> and that's what it feels like when I'm like reading these out. But I don't know if it, if it means that much to you. And for some reason you think that Microsoft owning it is going to make you feel more comfortable then go ahead. I want to know what the separation is. Like what, what determines that it's now a U.S. company and so, like, how can they use the name? Can they make so any changes to what the I app? What I think is going to happen is they're going to, I think what they're going to do is they're going to own TikTok in the United States, like the trademark to TikTok and the copyright in the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. I think they will own it and they will have the right to use that name. And then I think that they will have maybe the right to use that technology from like the point they buy it. But then at, after that, it's like free. But then after that, to... how they update it, how they do all this stuff is like up to them. Okay. So I think that's what's going to happen. And so it'd be interesting. Again, that's the other thing. Like I'm saying, Microsoft isn't a social media company other than LinkedIn. So, and can their algorithm keep up with the TikTok algorithm? And then also you have to like, it's going to be weird because, like, is there going to be a hard border in TikTok? Like, I can't watch anything that's Indian TikTok or I can't watch anything that's, like, Chinese TikTok, technically. Probably. I so feel like, like there would be a, a border. Right. And so that would be interesting to see because I know there's, like, some international content that, like, actually goes international on TikTok as opposed to just being locked. Obviously, like... There's a lot of UK people, too. I mean, and it seems right. like the would UK wasn't even under... So, like, yeah. who knows? So that'd be very interesting. And like the other thing I thought about was what we were talking about, the National Music Publishers Association from last episode. Are they going to want to renegotiate after this? <laughs> you know, because now there's two companies that exist. There's TikTok A and TikTok B, basically. Yeah. And so Don't maybe know we want Microsoft to pay us money for our songs. Microsoft did come out and say... Dance. They, the, Microsoft did come out and say that they were going to support the creators more. It seemed like monetarily is that at least what they said. We don't it really know anything until again, it's set in stone. Well, though. then again, we're talking about Microsoft with Mixer, who basically tried to do that, and that didn't work out. So yeah, but the difference I think in Mixer is Mixer came from really not a very small company that they bought, and this is a giant company that they're buying. You know, that already has the name recognition and the software, and right. And it would, but like I guess the idea is like you could see the pillars start to fall. It's like almost like if they have shitty service for TikTok. And then Instagram comes out and it's like, you guys know what Instagram is. So you can flood to Instagram. And then they'll go, yeah, TikTok's going to hell. You know, we're going to go to Instagram reels now. 
<laughs> so I don't know, but in music terms, it'd just be, I think it's interesting because especially for the publishers, like you, you, there's two different splits now in terms of like, this is one company and this is another company. So I'm wondering if they're going to renegotiate that deal or have something go on because obviously the Chinese market is more valuable to some publishers versus others. And then like, you know, some artists versus other artists catalog is more valuable in China or India or the UK. And then some artists are more valuable in the United States portion of TikTok. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting if they're either going to go, we want some money or we want to renegotiate or if they're just going to let it ride. Cause they're like, this is all free advertising. Just let, just let it go. We already did all this stuff. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, so yeah. Uh, but who knows? And then we don't, we don't even know the variable is that the other variable is that they have to confirm the deal. And then Trump has to like it, I guess, in something, or he's going to do some executive action against it. So <laughs> that's the other thing. So TikTok is going to be very much in the air. I think a lot of people are like, especially TikTok users are all like, oh, thank God, Microsoft's going to save us. But it's like, well, it's, it's going to be different. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't know how radical yet, but some it's something different. will change. Yeah. And so point. it could still not exist, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah. TikTok still in the air. All social media podcasts today, people. But that's the most <laughs> important thing right now in terms of artists and what's going on. And exposure and getting views. I mean, if you're not listens. going and warming the hearts of people from town to town, you have to warn them online. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. And Joe, what have you been listening to? Um, I found this new artist called Zaya Z A I A. He's really good. He's got um these great songs one's called interstate uh another one of my favorites is called very alone um he just dropped a record this year he looks like he had another record kind of back in like 2017 and a little couple of stuff in 2018 19 but this seems like his like debut thing um so that's been cool i've been listening to static dress they're a uh, hardcore band out of the uk um safe word uh great song Highly recommend uh, checking them out. Uh, I also love their branding. Um, so if you're ever on like a, a branding kick. And uh, my guy Sam Fender, still listening to him. <laughs> Even from last week. So he gets a double for me. A double. A double. I'm just going to start making up man names and see if I can hit. <laughs> I've been listening to uh, Strawberry Banjo. Uh, and they've been really oh, wow. rocking it out. Yeah, they're um, shoegaze. <laughs> their shoecase they're underground you you know um yeah i've been listening i went on a road trip but i listened to a lot of podcasts but i was listening to um i, I really like this new billy eilish song i think it's like the perfect blend of uh her slower stuff with like not being no offense to billy eilish fans boring uh the it's called my future if you haven't listened to it yeah but i think it's just like the same it's like that great feeling where it's like a sad song that starts slow and then gets upbeat and you're like yeah feel yeah. the sadness it's <laughs> like lcd sound system for me not for me but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i i think it's been I think she's done a really good job. I'm very interested what they're going to do with more music, especially because it's definitely feels like they're evolving the style that she really pioneered mm-hmm. in that way. So I'd be very interested to see what her and Phineas are going to come up with. Um, He's such a good producer, man. He is a good producer. He's a great producer. But it's also 
very well mixed. Yes. And the guy who mixes too. it has mixed so many things. I can't remember his name right now. And that's the thing that people always forget because they're like, oh, God, I hate that more than anything. People are like, her and Phineas did it with like an Apollo, you know, X in their bedroom. And now they have a hit record. And I was like, yeah, there's so many other. Va-. It's almost like Daniel Eck in that way. Like we were talking about earlier where it's like, there's so many other variables. They're really good and they're using good patches and yeah. there's a really good mixer behind it. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I, it just annoys me when all these DIY people are like, see, I don't need to invest in myself. I can just do it with the bare minimum and my talent will keep me. And I, I think just, it comes down to the people. Yeah. You know? And so that's like kind of why it's annoying to me when people who I know where it's just like, you're, you're okay. You could be better. I hope you invest in yourself more. And they just go, no, you know, if she can do it, I can do it. And I'm just like, eh, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't apply all of that to you. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just really like that song. I don't know why. Uh, and then I was listening to, I was listening to more of my uh, Billy I. Well, Billy I. That's what I said. I was listening more to Brother to Brother, which is a '70s album. If you listen, it's Gino Vanelli, mm. the guy's name. It's I Super Fusion. Uh, and then I've been listening to, like I was saying, Tronic Box earlier, who does all the 80s remix. And my favorite is Justin, the Justin Bieber one, which is What Do You Mean? But it's called What Do You Mean? It's 1985. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like really just like the most 80s sounding thing. I just really appreciate it as someone who's an audio engineer and has fooled around with all that stuff. Because you're like, God damn, this guy's killing it. It sounds like it's original. Yeah. It's not like a, you know, DJ remix. Or like a weird cover. Right. Those are the worst. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That showbiz, baby. Thank you for listening to That Showbiz Baby, your all things music business and media podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram at That Showbiz Baby Podcast, and email That Showbiz Baby Podcast at gmail.com. See, I wasn't lying. If you send something in, we will cover it most of the time. <laughs> but feel free to follow us on our social media and review us if you like. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>